All right, everyone. Good evening. The guys standing in the back, you got to find a, yeah. Well, it is good to see everyone tonight for our, our Wednesday night worship. Let's see here. As we get started, I want us up front to be able to have a, have a time of prayer together. And then after we have a time of prayer, we have a presentation that's going to be made to the, to the church and mentioned a couple of things about uh, submission opportunities. And then I'm going to turn it over to Andy Marks, and he's going to share with us tonight uh, part of his story and some music and from God's Word. And so it'll be a, be a really great opportunity for, for that. Just to remind you that we continue to have Sunday night, summer Sunday night worship at 5 o'clock on Sunday night for the next two Sunday nights. So if we'd love for you to be a part of that. Jeremy Russell is going to be preaching, and so we'd love for you to love for you to be a part of that as well. Prayer opportunities, prayer needs starting out tonight. Continue to pray for the Ukraine mission team. Uh, Kenny was just saying that Grayson had told him that it seemed like his group that he was working with was great. There are six different languages just in their little small group that, that they interact with on this trip, so, so pray for that group. Last we heard, Dr. Collier, do we have an update on Dr. Collier for his, his situation? Yeah, definitely. Anything else we need to mention? Uh, opportunities to pray for one another? Go for it. That's a good. Great grandbabies are good. With his hip, so that's great. So Scott... Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Moms still have to take care of their kids, even doesn't matter what age, huh? So that's great. All right, let's pray to get oh I'm sorry. <laughs> fair fair enough so <laughs> that is huge that is that's incredible for you all for sure there is an older lady from the neighborhood you all know that most people learn to drive in the Emmaus parking lot um, and there's an older lady I pushing 80 probably from a neighbor, one of the neighborhoods around here, and her grandson is teaching her to drive, and so she's learning to drive in the Emmaus parking lot. And the staff looked out there the other day, and she was practicing parallel parking between our, between our vehicles. <laughs> and they were 
why? Go get her some cones and take take them out there. So uh, I can tell you from observation, she has made a lot of progress. <laughs> that first day we saw her, the car was doing like this, and so we got worried. So I went out there, and I was prepared to confront them or whatever. Nope. Just a sweet older lady trying to learn to drive for the first time, and her uh, grandson's teaching her. And so, oh, man. <laughs> well, He's probably late 20s, something like that, mid-20s, late-20s. Yeah. yeah. It was good. It was a good moment. But when she started parallel parking between our vehicles, that was the, that was the point of concern. So, Okay, let's, uh, let's pray together, and then we'll talk just a little bit about missions, and then we'll go into our Bible study. Father, thank you for the joy of gathering together as a church family. Father, thank you for your grace shown to uh, Robert and Maureen Collier. God, we pray for Dr. Collier, even in this time of uncertainty about his health. Thank you for the gift of him being able to speak just for a moment to his family. God, continue to guide them through this time. For Bob Jones and those who are caring for him as he's on hospice, God, that you would care, um, show your grace and presence to, to that family. Father, thank you for the way that... Um, You've been so faithful and uh, through hard times with, with Dale and Beth and Beth's recovery. But, God, we thank you for, uh, for the gift of them and our church family and for the progress that she's been able to make, uh, even being able to drive now. God, we pray for the Ukraine team uh, as they are doing ministry together and impacting people literally from all over the world who come together for this conference Continue to prepare the Calgary team and the Panama team as they get ready to go out. Thank you for the opportunities we have as a church family to be involved in ministry and missions with our friends at the children's home, through opportunities to care for foster and adoptive families in the community. God, thank you for a church that is dedicated to, to doing that. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ms. Peggy, why don't you come up and uh, make the presentation that you want to make, and then I'm going to piggyback off your presentation and just remind us of a few opportunities we have. I'm Peggy Duncan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Peggy Duncan, and I'm the Operations Administrator and Development Rep from Children's Hope, the Oklahoma City campus for the Baptist Children's Home. And your church this year was 36th out of top, the top 50 churches that gave to the Baptist Children's Home financially. And so what I want to say with that is we so appreciate those dollars, but Emmaus does so much more than just the financial. Um, you guys have plugged in. You've done things from weeding flower beds to um, a shower for moms and uh, their children for new linens, to bike ride help, to, I mean, I, I, I know I'm going to leave something out because you do so much. So we not only appreciate you plugging in financially, but we so appreciate you plugging in just volunteering. We are a mission ministry, and you are very much a part of it, and we thank you. So I want to give this certificate to your pastor, and my husband's going to get a picture. Right, yeah. Yes. Should take the picture of that one. Yeah. Everybody I know. Out there. I know. 
Thank you very, very much, though, for all that you do. And we look forward, I look forward to getting to know more of you since I've only been here since December 3rd of last year. I'll just leave this right here for you. And um, I look forward to getting to know more of you, and I enjoyed visiting with you back. Wasn't it Teresa? I enjoyed visiting with Teresa already. So thank you very much. Thanks, Kelly. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. One of the ways that we can be involved in the Children's Home uh, Ministry and Children's Hope Ministries in particular with the campus next door is on Saturday, August the 3rd, is the Back to School Style Show. This is a big fundraising effort, probably the big fundraising effort for, for the year. And so if you would like to go, we have four, possibly six tickets left for the tables that Emmaus has, has reserved for that night. It's at 5.30 Saturday, August the 3rd at Embassy Suites in Norman. Marcy Turner is your contact at Emmaus to get those tickets if you don't already have those tickets, or if you just want to come to me or Jim, we'll try to check on that. But we'd love for you to be a part of that. Back, if you haven't gone to the back-to-school style show, it's a pretty pretty neat opportunity to see those kids showing off their clothes. Um, and you can leave before the final speaker, which would be me. So uh, you want to, you can get out early before, before that. Just leave your money on the door at the table and just, and just head out. But uh, love for you to do that. Also, the very next, I'm sorry, go to be able to come paint, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, you, yeah, more work for yourself, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay, that's good. That's good to be aware of. Monday night, so a couple of couple of days from now, Monday night, the twenty second, we are hosting or we're providing childcare for the moms next door to be able to go to Dillard's and purchase the back to school clothes for their kids. So if you're able to help provide childcare for that, we still could use some a, a few more people for for Monday night. My daughter and I, Austin and I, will be up here, so that's right up her alley. I'll just be doing whatever I can do. So, uh, but we need we need some people to help with that. 5:30 on Monday night, if you can do that, and then there's other opportunities coming up, back to school type of things. Sunday night, August the fourth. Sunday night, August the eleventh. We'll be uh, we'll be doing some community service projects as well. But okay, so just to make really clear, what we need most is this coming Monday night. That's what we need the most, is childcare here at the church for those moms who are bringing their kids. That's our primary need. Did I miss anything? I don't think I missed anything on that. All right, Andy, I'll switch you places and run, run sound for you. Actually, let me, let me pray for you and your family, and so thankful for you guys. You guys mean a lot to us. 
Father, thank you for Andy. Thank you for Lynn. God, I know they minister in so many ways, both here at Emmaus and just behind the scenes, caring for neighbors and people you put in their life. Uh, God, thank you for them and their kids. God, we pray for their marriage, that they would continue to grow in holiness together and joy of marriage and, and in parenting, God, that you would give them wisdom and strength. Thank you for their family. Thank you for the legacy of faith that, that they represent. And God, thank you for Andy uh, being able to share with us tonight. God, that we would be receptive to how you would use his story to impact our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What? Do you want me to use it? I'm going to have to play. I'm playing music off of my phone as a part of what I'm doing tonight, so I might have to go off mic here and there. But um, so Is it okay if we get a little bit more informal tonight? Is that all right? Um, I want to tell you uh, God's story in my life. So not necessarily my story, but <laughs> um, what God has done in my life. Um, and in particular, um, because I wanted to make it uh, follow some type of theme. I'm going to use music. Um, music has been a heavy part of my life. Um, you, some of you have seen me lead worship here, and that's a portion of it, and I'll talk about that. Um, but in other ways, music has, has really been a huge part of my life. So I'm going to use that as a theme. Um, I did this last week at MidAmerica, and I wrote up this whole deal of what I wanted to um, say. Got it right here. And I got about an hour into it and still just had more. So <laughs> um, we will not go that long tonight. I'm going to stick to the 45 minutes that I have. Um, but I will try to hit some of the highlights of things that God has really done in my life. Is it, is it okay that I don't use the mic? Is that all right? People need to hear? Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure. Is this better? Do you need me to use the mic? Is that good? Okay. I'll use the mic. I will use it. Okay. First thing I want to do just real quick. Does anybody... Let's see if we... Well, let's uh, start. Let's see if... Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Does anybody recognize this? I'll give, I'll give like, free, like, uh, Emmaus bucks to the person who names out the artist first. Anybody who's the artist? It is he That's cheating, it's my wife Christ who Carpenters, right? Does anybody know this? I mean, raise your hand if you know it No, nobody knows this Okay, a few of you know it Alright Well, so music For some of you, this will Hearing something brings back maybe a memory Right? For me, when I hear the Carpenters Christmas portrait <laughs> The thing that comes straight to my mind is when I was younger, probably even, well, I guess it would have been after I was six, because the memory is driving from El Paso, Texas, to Oklahoma for Christmas to see my family. I was born in Oklahoma at Mercy Hospital up here, but at six years old, my dad took us all the way down to El Paso. <laughs> and, and just side note, if you were to see the map of, and, and like have movement of where I lived in my life, it's like a pinball machine, just ding, 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 just like all over the place, all over the U.S., <laughs> but anyway, so I remember immediately this drive coming from El Paso up to Oklahoma every time I hear that album, and 
that's a case in point to just say that music can draw you somewhere, right? It can, it can bring you back to some place. It can be good, it can be bad, but for me, that one in particular was a good memory that also, um, as a kid, maybe not even knowing it was happening, there was faith involved. It was, it was Christian music for the most part. There's some songs on that's not necessarily Christian, but it's, it's a Christmas CD and it talked about Christ, right? And so there were things that I was learning early on um, that maybe I didn't even know. So I was saved at a young age, and I was seven years old. We were in El Paso, Texas. I got baptized at Mount Franklin Baptist Church. I think it was maybe a couple weeks after my sister. That's how I remember it. I don't know if it is exactly, but it was something like that. Um, but we were at a great place. Um, I can say that I am so very, very, very blessed. I don't take it for granted to come from a family of strong faith. And also from parents who have had the ability, still have the ability to discern good things about the Lord, in particular churches. Um, everywhere we moved, it was very quick that we found a great church that was Bible-believing, that taught, um, that taught truth. And that church I was in in El Paso did that. Um, later on, I'll talk about how that even blossomed more of my faith. So, let me sh- let me share another one from my uh, from around this time. See if you guys recognize this. More Emmaus Bucks for those that, that get this right right away. Amen. Artist, anybody know the artist? Come on. Praise the Lord. Yell it out. Amen. Start singing. Come on, you guys know this song, right? Did I hear it? Anybody say it? Not my wife, not my parents. Who was it? Anybody? Kids Praise Choir, yeah. Salty, the singing songbook. Anybody remember that big blue songbook, right? This was another part of my childhood, and I look back, and I'm so grateful that my parents played some of this stuff as we rode in our car, and I learned more and more about God, about how I could have a relationship with Him, what a relationship looked like, what it meant to be saved, learned through music, and Salty was a good one because, I mean, it was scripture, it was hymns, it was things that really, that were really the truth. <coughs> I'm going to, I'm actually already trying to fly through this because I figure it's going to take a while. <coughs> um, oh, here's another one. Let's play this one. You guys got to know this one. I'm sure you do. Anybody? I see some nodding heads. Maybe. No. Maybe I need to fast forward into the song a little bit. These guys are actually part of the Church of God, which is, I work at Mid-America Christian University, which is the denomination Church of God. There it is, the Gaithers, Gaither Vocal Band. This one, I think, was actually more in the late 90s. It sounds great, doesn't it? We could just sit here and listen to this all night, right? Just put the mic down, be done. Tony's about to dance over there. I can see him. Great tune. Great CD, too. Um, It was a CD at the time. Maybe we had a tape. I don't know. I think we had the CD. (laughs) Um, So, again, 
that was the type of stuff that we would have in our car when we were driving places and the type of stuff that I would listen to. Now, I'm not going to make it sound like I never listened to any secular music. Yes, I did. I mean, I remember, <laughs> uh, what age would that have been? Maybe junior high. I'm getting a little ahead, but I had some friends that we were singing out like uh, Whitney Houston songs and, and other things, but um, in the end, we all kind of went back to our Christian roots and we loved some of the stuff we listened to. So I've got some scripture. Um, when I did this last week, I had something up on the screen, but if you guys just want to take note of some of these scriptures, if you like what it is, you can just write it down. This one's from Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. And these scriptures are what more what I, when I look back at this time in my life, kind of what I saw God doing in my life and, and, and what he was speaking to me at that time. <clears throat> so Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You may not know it by having met me in the last couple of years being at Emmaus, but I was probably the most extremely shy kid you could have ever met. There is a picture of me in a newspaper in Edmond some point in time. My, my grandfather won, was it like Grandfather of the Year in Edmond or some, some title like that. And there he is standing in his backyard. He's got all of his grandkids. And on his leg, you can see fingers because I'm behind him. And the only thing you can see are my fingers holding onto his leg <laughs> because I did not want to be noticed. Um, and I, this scripture in particular, um, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in, in, in him. Over the years, as time moved on, what, what got me out of being shy was the confidence that I found in Christ. Um, who I am today, the ability to do anything that I can do today is all because of that confidence, all because of that foundation that I have in Christ. Um, you know, I've I've done a lot of things in my life, even to this point, leading worship and playing guitars, being in front of, my goodness, probably 4,000 people that I've, I've led worship in front of a couple times. And I don't say that to boast in myself. I say that God did that because I was a shy kid who wouldn't even get in a picture with his grandfather, you know. And here, years later, I was leading worship in front of thousands of people. And, and I'll tell a little bit of that story as we go through it. So... Um, Going on beyond kind of that elementary age as I approached junior high, um, that was a time, so I had um, accepted Christ at seven, and God was really just kind of taking me in small steps in my faith. I wouldn't say that I ever had a moment where there was just this big leap of change, but it was just small steps. God was teaching me a little bit, teaching me a little bit, and really before I knew it, I was, I was getting more and more mature in my faith. Um, and it was, again, a lot of Christian music that, that did that for me. Um, here's another one. Um, this one's maybe, I guess you call it a little bit more modern. I'm sure most people here, and I, this is going to be a little bit eclectic, right? So there's going to be some things that maybe you're not comfortable with, possibly. <laughs> no, I mean, Gaithers, that's kind of a little bit more old-timey. But, you know, when I, when I got into high school, I had different types of uh, tastes, right? Someone already named it. DC Talk. There we go. Jesus Freak. You guys remember this one? Yeah. Early 90s. 
little bit more hard rock sounding, right? Um, Jesus Freak album, along with another band called Audio Adrenaline with an album called Bloom. Um, and then one of my all-time favorites, a little bit different genre, Stephen Curtis Chapman. I think he, Stephen Curtis Chapman, taught me more about theology and my faith than many other things. And I'm so grateful for the, the songs that he, that he has written, continues to write. If we have time tonight, I might actually play one for you. I brought my guitar. We'll see what happens as far as time goes. I've never played it in front of people before, and it's in a weird tuning, so it makes me nervous, but maybe I'll do it. We'll see. <laughs> um, let, me, let me play another one from that era, and this one is even harder rock, but there's a reason specifically why I wanted to play this one. If you guys know this band, I will definitely give you like a million Emmaus bucks. Literally a million Emmaus bucks. You guys got Shazam out yet? The band is Johnny Q Public. They only put a couple um, albums out, but they were on MTV back in the day, Christian band, right? Um, that song in particular is called As I Pray, and it is written in the words of Jesus when he's in the garden and praying and telling the disciples to stay here, keep watch as I go and pray. And I remember listening to that song being like, this is a really cool song, I like it. And then after a while, I started singing the lyrics, and you can ask my wife, I'm horrible with lyrics. At some point in time, I actually uh, decided to really look at the lyrics, <laughs> and I realized they, they were pulling out of Scripture a moment that in, in the ministry of Christ, right before his crucifixion, and talking about his feelings, what he felt in that moment. And I began, not knowing at the time that it's this word, but I began to have empathy when I was reading Scripture more. It wasn't just words on a paper. It was real people. There's emotions behind it. Things are happening to them. You know, it's complicated. And it was that song in particular that brought me to that place. And I look back at that and think, wow, what a, what a great thing that that one song did for me. Um, during this time, too, there was another band um, called Delirious. You guys may have heard of it, them. They had a, a four-disc album called The Cutting Edge. They're from England. And they made this four-disc album for, I think it was just a local church group that was worship. Um, this, this is one of the songs from that album. I think you guys may recognize it. I'll skip a little bit forward in it. Great tune, isn't it? I could sing of your love forever. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Those are the two big ones off of that. Um, there were other songs on there. There's one in particular called Oh, Lead Me. And the lyrics, lead me to the cross where I can follow you. And it's a slower song, very contemplative. And I remember playing that song 
at times when I, I needed to not be distracted by the world, but I needed to focus on Christ. And that was, that was kind of the beginning of, of the kind of worship track in my life. Um, not only just personally and what it meant for me to sing, but where God was going to take me as, as the future went forward. Um, there's a scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs 12, verse 23, and we can, you can go there if you would like, and there's also another one, Philippians 4, verse 8. I'll read both of those to you. Um, the reason why this verse in Proverbs is important to me <laughs> it says, the prudent keep the, their knowledge to themselves, but the fool's heart blurts out folly. So the way I memorized this was, the wise man keeps his mouth shut, but the fool blurts out folly. Not exact translation, right? But as a kid who was really shy and was kind of beginning to break out of that as I approached junior high and high school, what this told me was, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in a lot of ways, it was kind of affirming of maybe the way I was as I was younger, but I made it a point that when I did say things, I, I tried to do it out of as much wisdom as I could possibly find based off of Scripture. And so I kept my sh mouth shut a little bit more, and I can tell you there were times when people would come up to me like, you're so wise. I'm like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> and that was literally the truth. I didn't say anything, but just because I was just sitting there kind of nodding my head, they thought I was wise. Um, in line with that, a little bit different, Philippians 4, verse 8, which um, in our homeschool co-ops, I was homeschooled from fourth grade. Was I third grade when we started? Third grade. Fourth grade, all the way through high school. Um, at some point in that journey, I was asked to do a paper on some scripture, and I did it on Philippians 4, 8, which in this translation says, Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I remember doing that report and really thinking about every, every single one of those things, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and knowing that that was the thing that I needed to be focusing on. Um, did I always do it? No, I was a kid, right? I mean, I got distracted all the time, but it was important scripture for me because a lot of times when I did be get distracted, um, that scripture that was hidden in my heart would rise to the surface, and I would remember, you know what, I need to be focusing on something that's more pure than what I'm doing right now, or more true, or more right. Um, and, and so, very important scripture for me. So, late junior high, early high school, um, I'm starting to mature a little bit more, um, and grow. There were a couple things that happened at this time that were that were um, that were good things, and also some some harder things in my life. So the first thing is that I'll, I'll bring up is that um, this is when I began to serve a little bit more. So when you're younger and you're in elementary, even kind of young junior high, you can't really serve a lot on your own. You're being taught how to serve maybe, but you haven't really gotten to that point where you can do something on your own. Um, when I got into that late junior high phase. Um, funny enough, the first thing that I did was I went back at the soundboard and helped them run the soundboard because nobody saw me. I was in the back, right? <laughs> and I was able to just go back there and do my thing, and I learned it as good as I could so I wouldn't make any mistakes and nobody would turn back and look at me, right? <laughs> um, and, and I did. And little did I know at that time that God was beginning to teach me 
what it meant to serve the local church. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as I move forward. Um, The other thing during this time, you know, as I began to mature physically and emotionally, um, things would be, things were entering my life that I had to deal with um, that were, that were sinful things. So that was the point in time in my life when lust became a part of my life, and I, I began to see the opposite sex and realize, wow, they're pretty, I like them, that type of stuff, right? And I was still internalizing a lot of things. I, I wasn't very much of someone who would, I, I didn't date anybody until I was a sophomore, excuse me, a sophomore or junior in college, so <laughs> not even in high school, <laughs> um, but that was when it kind of came up. And I'm grateful to the Lord that I grew up when I did because the internet was not as big as it is today, not as accessible as it is today. And wow, what an environment for our kids to grow up in. And we need to protect our kids as much as we can. There was a time in my life when pornography was there. And I got, if it wasn't for the church, if it wasn't for friends that kept me accountable, if it wasn't for um, the people and scripture, I would not be where I am today. You know, I don't want to stand up here and say, I made it through and I, got, and I rooted it out of my life. Because it's not me. And I think that's true of any one of these vices that can get us. Whether it's gossip or, um, or greed or lust or whatever it is. We're not meant to do it alone. We're not meant as Christians to go through this path and journey by ourselves. It's kind of an American thing. Pull up your bootstraps. Do it yourself. Get through it. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to do this together, and we need each other. Now, I'm not saying we need to confess our sins to every person we find. I mean, you need to find someone that you can trust and begin to have accountability with. And that wasn't easy for me. We moved a lot. Everywhere we moved, I had to maybe find another person or have a long-distance connection with somebody to, to help me through those things. But it's so important. And I encourage you, you know, if anybody struggles with anything, don't try to do it alone. Find somebody that can walk you through that. And I I recall a number of songs during that time that helped me. Um, I mentioned that band Audio Adrenaline. There was one in particular. This song. For a little bit. Sometimes I'm a man of God. This was a song I went to a lot because as that shy kid who hated to fail, that chorus really meant something to me. Sometimes I'm a man of God. Sometimes I'm just all right. Sometimes I just need to pray. (laughs) And, And that song meant a lot to me. It drew me into the presence of God, into a place that I needed to be where I was looking at him and not looking at the distraction of the world. Let's see. So there's a scripture in Second Chronicles, um, six, chapter 16, verse 9a. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a funny context around this scripture, so that's why I'm very specific on the A. And probably the reason why uh, I bring this one up, and, and I don't necessarily think it's fully out of context, but um, one of the first times that I read through the Bible, and I think as a teenager I read through at least twice, and again, not because I'm anything special, but God just led me to that. Um, one of these times I was reading through, and it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's like 
that, made, that showed me that God is out there looking for us, waiting for us, ready to strengthen us. We just need to be committed to him. And that was important to me because I knew that I needed that strength. I, needed, I, I knew I needed that help. And, and all I really needed to do, I didn't have to be perfect. I didn't have to not make mistakes. All I needed to do was commit. I just needed to set my heart on him and follow him. And, and he was faithful. He was very faithful. Another scripture during that time, this comes from what, the Passion Movement. So the Passion Movement being led by Louis Giglio, who's a speaker, but also some of the bands around that time were you, names that you know, Chris Tomlin, um, Charlie Hall, who's local around here, um, David Crowder. But they use this scripture, I believe one of the first ones they use, Isaiah 26.8. Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. So somewhat in tandem with that other one, in setting my heart fully on him, it's about his name, it's about his renown, what he has done. And focusing on what he has done and who he is, setting my heart on him. And even though there's, there's still sin here and there, and there's, there's still things going on in my life, the more and more I could just think about what was right and true and pure and focus on his renown and using his word, it would draw me closer to him and he would then strengthen my heart. So high school, late high school, this is when I kind of call it a time when uh, my ministry was blooming. Um, I put this one in here for my friend Jeff. Let's see if I can get it going. Come on. And except for Jeff, I'll give 100000 Emmaus bucks if you can get this one. Let's see, the artist. I'm pretty sure I have it in here. Do I have it? Oh, no. I'll find it real quick. This is Spotify. You can do it real quick, right? Thanks for being patient. There it is. You know it already, Jeff? Hundred thousand Emmaus bucks, anybody? Jeff's the only one. I'll give him fifty thousand since he's the only one that made it. Seven Day Jesus. <laughs> so another, it, they were kind of like a one album wonder, <laughs> I guess, in the Christian realm. <laughs> um, again, just another one of those bands that had some songs that really spoke to me, draw, drew me into um, the presence of God. Had lyrics that were. Um, some somewhat based on scripture, but taught me more truths about, about who God was and really important to me. Um, I began to get really, really, really involved at my youth group, uh, loved what I was doing. I did an internship the first half of my senior year of high school, which I, I say senior year, but I graduated early because I was homeschooled. That last whole year of what would have been my senior year I did a six-month internship in my youth ministry, but then I also did uh, a, uh, what was it, junior scholar thing at University of Texas El Paso and did some college work. Um, but in that ministry, uh, the internship, 
along with uh, some other things that were going on in our youth group, we had a guitar player in our youth group. And you guys, some of you, if you pay attention to the songs that are uh, played um, in service, oh, where'd it go? Here we go. You might recognize this one. I've played it a couple times before and after church on Sunday mornings. Skip ahead. I've seen Jaron sing it, so he likes it. The singer there is a, a kid named, guy named Kevin Guido. Um, I don't think he's Italian at all, but his name is Guido. <laughs> he was my best friend in junior high and high school. Well, high school, I would say. And we were blessed to have him. He was a phenomenal guitar player. And because he was really good and because our youth group was doing pretty good, they're like, hey, let's do some worship when we, when we get together on Sunday nights. Like, somebody needs to sing. I was like, I can sing. So I went up there and started singing, and at the time, I didn't even think about what I was doing. I was just singing. I was like, they need someone to sing, I can go up there and sing. No big deal. And that was kind of the beginning of, one, obviously, God had been working so much in my life up to that point that I was no longer too shy to walk up and sing in front of people. I just did it. Um, and then, two, you know, looking back, I'm, I probably knew I was leading worship, but looking back, I think, did I even know I was leading worship? Even even at like 17 years old, did I have any clue I was doing that? I was just singing so that people, everybody else would sing. And I didn't think much of it at the time. You know, once I left high school, um, I ended up going to a college halfway across the country in Massachusetts and really didn't think much like, ah, you know, I didn't even have a thought, will I be doing music again? It just wasn't really any, anything there. I just, it was done. I, w- I moved on. I was doing something else. Um, I'll move on to that since time is still moving pretty quick here. Um, well, let me let me give this scripture, and then we'll move on to, to things that are going on in my college age. So, Jeremiah, again, um, chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. I look back again at that high school age, and I, it, God, I think because, because of how I was shy and I was coming out of just that, that idea of I don't want to fail and all this stuff, and I was beginning to say, you know what, God, it's about you, and I find my worth in you. In other words, I was boasting in him and not anything of myself. This is what I, I think about this scripture when I think about that time in my life. And I don't take it for granted that I was in a great church with a fantastic youth pastor. Um, and God did so much in my life at that time. Good friends where we, we really just, we worshiped together, we learned together, we we led our youth group together. It was it was a fantastic time. <clears throat> I'll play this one real quick. One more thing before we go to the college age. And the reason why I want to play this one is because I remember it because I thought it was a fun song. But now I play it for my kids and they think it's a fun song. So, Name the band. 
20,000 amaze bucks. Oh, there it is. Supertones. <laughs> Amanda, 20,000 amaze bucks. I just want to listen to the whole thing. Amanda probably does too. You want to listen to the whole thing, Amanda? You want to listen to the whole thing? It's good, isn't it, right? <laughs> I started playing that the other day in our house, and some of my kids were just kind of like dancing around and bouncing, especially my youngest, who's going to be three. He does flips and things and hops around all over the little place. <laughs> um, that was, that's another band, the Supertones. Again, they... Uh, even some of their kind of mid mid albums, not early or late albums, but mid ones, really spoke to me. Had some some good lyrics, some things that really drew me to Christ. So moving on to college, um, Ephesians. Uh, some of you guys will definitely know this one. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven through sixteen. This is one of the longer passages here. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God, um, you know, he gives us all to do certain things, right? We're, he's gifted us, given us um, different ways that we can give back to his church and to the world. When I got to college, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew it was one of two things. It was either computers or Bible. There were, I had a computer science major, Bible major. What do I want to do? I don't know. What, what should I do? So I took the whole first year undecided. I don't know what I didn't want to do. But I took some Bible stuff. I took some computer science stuff and thought, we'll just kind of pray through it this year. Near the end of the year, it became very apparent that God wanted me to use computers. And I had kind of left the door open as in high school and even that time to say, God, what, whatever you want me to do, I know I want to do ministry. And he... You know, as a kid, as a teenager, ministry means be a youth pastor. It's going to be fun, you know. Um, but I knew that that was probably not the answer. And so I just kind of left the door open. And it became very apparent by the end of my freshman year of college that computers were going to be my ministry. I'm going to speed through. It's already getting late here. Um, so... I say that in reading this passage to say that God has gifted me in, in some areas with technology, and I use that in ministry. I work at Mid-America Christian University, and when I first left um, college, I worked at a church for three years doing database and graphic design stuff, and it was just an obvious that when I was, when I was done with school, that, that was the right thing. God really used me there, and it's, it's been a blessing ever since, and who knows what he's going to do in the future with it. I'm excited to see what he'll do. So the summer after my freshman year of college, um, prior to that summer, I was walking through our cafeteria at Gordon, and there was this little booth, and it had pictures of mountains. I love mountains. So I walked up to them, and I was like, what's this? And they said, it's called a Christian Ministries in the National Parks. And I thought, oh, okay, sounds cool. What do you do? <laughs> like, well, you go, you work in the park, and then you hold church services on Sundays. And I thought, 
that's kind of up my alley. Let's do that. And so I signed up. They randomly chose a park for me, and now it's my most favorite place on the entire planet, Grand Teton National Park. Uh, been, went, spent there about three months that summer, and I'll kind of limit the story here. One of the things I did is I took my classical guitar. I did not have a steel string guitar, but I took my classical guitar with me because I thought, eh, might as well, something to do. Took it, and when I first got there, there were 21 other people in the ministry with us. We were working in the park. I was a busser. I was 19 years old. I got paid nothing. I was different than others. I had a car, so they kind of let me drive around. That was helpful with the ministry, um, driving to the where we did church services. But the, the leader, the director, said, you have a guitar, you're leading worship. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I have not done that before. Um, I have sung it before, and I do kind of play a guitar. At that point, I'd taken like maybe a year's worth of lessons, and it was all classical. Like I, I'd never strummed a guitar really that much. And so, okay, sure, I'll do that. And long story short, by the end of the summer, it was kind of like, okay, God, you want me to do something with this. And so returned home. My parents had found a church in New Hampshire that we started going to, Bethany Church, and I bought a steel string guitar. I met the worship pastor and said, I, I play a little bit, and he said, well, you go over there and lead worship on Wednesday. Not will you. He said, go do it. <laughs> and so I did, and long story short there is I started playing behind him in our main services and was playing three times a week at that point. Within six months to a year, I would occasionally be kind of the lead acoustic guitar player. Um, I don't know the time frame in this, but eventually I sang and led a song here and there. It was all volunteer. At one point, we had three bands, and he said, I want you to take a band. And so I led a band, and, and I mentored under him and began to learn how to lead worship, lead a band, and draw a congregation into worship. And it was a good-sized church for, for New Hampshire, it was, uh, or for New England, really, about 1,000 people. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about leading God's people, um, you know, how to speak on stage. Um, and really, actually, for an introvert, being on stage and talking is actually a good place to be because they're not talking back at you. You can just kind of say what you want and it's done. But, <laughs> um, but I learned a lot there. And it was, it was hard when we left. Um, but it was what I've noticed is God just takes you through lots of seasons, different things of where you're going to be and what, what he's going to use you to do. Eight minutes. Let's see what we can do. Okay, this is important. Um, this is something I don't want to go over. At the same time that I was going all through college at a Christian school and really honestly having wonderful things happen um, at a faith-based place, when I was mentoring under a worship pastor, learning a lot about ministry and growing and serving and having fantastic friendships, there was something else that was going on in on my life that was difficult. It's what the Catholics call, and I don't know if the Protestants have a term for it, but it's what the Catholics call the dark night of the soul. Um, I looked it up last week or a week and a half ago on Wikipedia, so who knows how much of this is true. But there, there's a story of one lady, uh, a Catholic uh, nun, I assume, who went through 46 years of the dark night of the soul. So the dark night of the soul essentially is you're going in your faith and things are really kind of on a high, things are going really well. That was kind of me at the end of high school, um, transitioning up to New England. And all of a sudden, the same way that you used to read scripture, 
the same way that you would pray, the same way that you would attend church, the same way that you would serve, all the things that you used to do now feel like they don't work at all. And you feel like God's almost not there. Like, you pray and it's like, are you, are you going to, like, respond to me? You know, you don't feel anything. It's like nothing is there. And I don't want to make it sound like it was a horrible time in my life because it was a great time in my life. I learned a lot of wonderful things. But that was an interesting thing for me that for those, it was seven years, very interesting, completely coinciding with the seven years that I lived in New England. Um, there is spiritual oppression there. It is it is a hard place to live as a Christian. And sorry, this thing keeps making noise. Um, it was a hard time for me. My grandparents who lived in Moore, their health started to fail, and my parents decided that they were going to move back and take care of them. And for me, I was kind of at this transition point. I could have stayed up there, but things were kind of open for me to maybe do some change. And I felt like God was saying, why don't you go down with them? So I did. Came down here and soon got a job at Mid-America. Um, been working there for 12 years now. Um, and very quickly, this dark night of the soul passed. And it's funny because I, I wrote something down as I was typing this up. And it's not as good as what I said last week <laughs> when I was just kind of on the fly. So I'm going to read what I said because my good friend, he's like, what was it you said when you were up there? I couldn't even remember it. And so he went back to the recording and he's like, this is what you said. <coughs> I said that your faith is not based on emotion, but emotion is a huge part of your faith. Um, I don't know if there's any scripture anywhere <laughs> that says that in particular, but it's something that God taught me through that time. Um, because what I did when I was going through that time is I just said, Lord, I'm going to continue to serve you. I'm going to continue to do the things that I did. And I'm going to continue to honor you and glorify you with what I do. And I know you'll bring me through this. <laughs> and what it taught me was I, emotion's not the foundation. Yeah, in high school it was cool. And, man, I had great friends and it was fun and we had a great time. And, um, and not that my faith at that time was based on emotion, but maybe I didn't fully understand that. And when I came out of that, I began to realize that it's not based off emotion, but I don't want to say that emotion's not important. Emotion is important. You know, we have to have this, this emotional connection to God, to Christ, to what he's done, to the church, especially to the church. I think we fail to do that in America. We have to have an emotional tie to the people that, that we are in church with. And I don't mean the building in Mayus necessarily. I just mean the body of Christ. We have to have a tie to, to the church. So I've, I've talked a lot about that. I've got four minutes left, um, and I haven't even mentioned anything about my family. So let's kind of like do this full circle thing here. So now um, we just went on a vacation. We went to New Mexico. And can you guys guess some of the music that's playing in my car now that I have kids? <laughs> Salty, <laughs> um, a lot of wonderful Christian music that is scripture um, stuff. Actually, some of it I actually really like. Some of it I definitely don't like. But, <laughs> but I, I know the kids like it, so we go with it, right? Every year when VBS comes out, like, my kids are just so excited about the CD. We're going to get the CD and learn the songs. And I hear my kids singing the words and talking about salvation. And what a wonderful thing. And my wife does a good job with it. Um, her mom makes these mixed CDs of Christian music that are fantastic. Our kids just love them. 
Um, and I don't even know where she gets some of this stuff. Like, there's one about peanut butter and jelly that's hilarious. It's not Christian, but anyway. It, the kids love to, like, play the peanut butter and jelly song. But music is now, it was a huge part of my life, is a huge part of my life, something that I am continuing to do, but I now see it's kind of passing it on again to my kids and letting that be a foundation. Because I know that there's going to be years down the road when they're going to hear some of these songs again somewhere, and it's going to bring them back to that time. It's going to bring them back to that truth that they learned. So I, um, in kind of in conclusion here, two more minutes, um, just kind of wrapping up what, what music is, has, has been in my life and kind of where it's going. I led, so moving back here, I got the opportunity to go to Henderson Hills Baptist Church up in Edmond, and I, we attended there for about nine years. And I showed up to the church, really, really big church. We liked it, good pastor and everything. And I went up to the, the worship pastor right away and just said, hey, just, you know, I play guitar. If you need it, just... It's not a big deal. I don't need to play, but just let me know. And he said, well, come on Tuesday and, or Wednesday and try out. I was like, okay, sure. So I came and tried it out, and he said, can you play next Wednesday? And I thought, okay, sure, not thinking much about it. And then when I got there the next Wednesday, the bass player, who's now such a great friend to me, David Alston, he said, you know, this is a very rigid guy, you know, we don't really ever do this, like have someone just come in and play. He's like, but when I saw you walk in, and I saw that you take care of your guitar. I was like, this guy's probably pretty good. <laughs> and I started playing a little bit there. Within six months, one of the electric uh, players transitioned off. And then they, they kind of hired me full time as the acoustic player. So I played for nine years at Henderson Hills with a church of four or 5,000 members. And again, learned so much, so much about playing in a band and leading and how to lead from, uh, from an instrument. And the reason I bring that up is I don't do that anymore. Um, that's done. And honestly, I'm okay with that. That season has kind of ended for me. I've played here a few times. Actually, this morning I played at the chapel at Mackey. Um, and occasionally I play, but I don't play like I used to. But now I'm running sound here two, two weeks out of a month in the main service. And you guys may not know that. I'm up there occasionally. But I look back, and when I started in junior high, I was, I was running sound in the back. And here I am running sound again. And the seasons in between have ebbed and flowed and changed. And I know that they will still in the future. But I just look for what God wants me to do next. And I know that he will continue to use music in my life. So I'm able to push dials on a board. You guys may not know it, but I lead worship by pushing the dials. I, because I'm a worship leader and I know when an instrument needs to be prominent, when a vocal needs to be prominent, when something needs to change, when it needs to come down so the congregation can hear themselves, and when it needs to be loud because I need to drive some emotion, I'm doing that. And you guys maybe don't even know it. But I'm bringing certain things up and down to help you guys engage into what's happening in the service. The players do what they need to do. I accentuate it and help you guys draw into it. And that's kind of the full circle of what God has done with music in my life. And so I need to end now. I'm sure that people need to pick up kids or something like that. Thanks for letting me share. I've left out so much stuff. I wish I could tell you so much more about my story. But God has been so faithful in my life and so true. I'm so blessed with my family. Um, and thanks for letting me tell you a little bit about it. I hope it was fun. Um, I hope that some of these songs were things that you remembered and brought back some memories. So do you need to say anything or...